The buzzing beast of the pine wood slain, Marin and her compatriots return back to the farmhouse of Burren the rancher, hoping to share with him the spoils of their, admittedly, easier than expected battle. But does the pine woods bear one last trick? And how may I use it to my advantage? Let us find out. In Blood Gold. We open on a dense pine forest with uh, the sun shine peering through the needles of the trees as Marin, Sorel, and Acrea make their way through the underbrush back to the town of Severir and the farm of Burren after just having what I would describe as a very successful encounter with what I thought was going to be a much more dangerous giant bee. Yeah, I would say it was pretty successful. For reasons that I'm still not entirely sure, Marin elected not to collect any of the honey at the speckled bee's hive. I don't have jars! I don't have any jars! There was this whole conversation about this before I left, and I even went through my inventory. I don't have jars to bring it back with, and this is a game of inventory. If this was Dungeon World, I'd be like, I just collect the honey and be on my way. Mm -hmm. But I can't do that. Otherwise, I'm in this game, I'm literally holding honey in my hands. <laughs> like, I can't. I need jars. I can't just hold honey in my hands and walk to where I need to go. I need jars. So, <laughs> that's, that's fair. That, that's fair. You're walking back. How is Marion feeling about today? Is this a distraction? Is this a necessary job like how what is Marin thinking how is she feeling I I honestly I think Marin is feeling like this felt good like to get like get back in the saddle right like to kind of do what she used to do as a part of adventuring and on a mission like not just doing it because the town needs her to do it like she did when she was back on her farm but to do it because she needs the offerings, she needs the money, it's an exchange for something, like that whole shebang, because she would have done this when she was a wyvern hunter. Um, I think she's just like, this brings up memories, this is a good feeling. I think it's like a nostalgia sort of feeling. So not good, not bad, just kind of like reminiscent. I think as you are kind of in those nostalgic feelings... You can hear behind you Sorel and Acrea having a hushed argument. It sounds like they're, they're arguing about something. And you kind of just hear them sniping back and forth a little bit. Uh, I would argue, I would say that the sniping is mostly coming from Acrea, while Sorel is kind of like, no, I think we're, we're doing great, Acrea. I think you, like, just, you need to accept that, you know, this is kind of... Howard, we've won three fights that we've gotten into. We're, we're so much safer. And you hear Craig going, 
I just, this is not the way I was expecting this to go. I want us to go straight to Pungip so that we can keep going. This is not, and they're kind of just going back and forth about getting in a little bit of an, an argument. So the question is, does Marin care? Mm-hmm. And I think what happens is they're kind of going back and forth. And I think Marin goes, if you would prefer to do this differently, you are free to go whenever you would like. But doesn't turn around, doesn't like, just kind of like says it and continues walking. Because she is not interested in a conversation when she is the one leading them and like doing all this stuff right like so she's i don't want to have a conversation with you but you can leave like go ahead like it's not like i know the way that i said it made the tone be like Marin's angry Marin doesn't care mm. Mar- like Marin is so indifferent to it like if you want to go differently go ahead i won't stop you uh and i think you hear footsteps running up behind you as uh, akraya kind of rushes to catch up and she goes i apologize uh, Marin goes, but I d- was expecting perhaps that we would be going straight to Pongip. I was expecting something a little more uh, direct, perhaps, that we would be continuing on our way. This is, we are in a bit of a rush. Uh, I understand. Uh, how were you expecting to pay for this direct trip and all of the stops? And all of the food that's necessary. Because my understanding is you don't have a lot by way of money. These jobs are necessary so that we don't starve. The most important thing to me is that we get the egg to its nesting place safely. At the very least, can we stop getting in so many confrontations? If you can figure out a way for us to not get in as many confrontations, I would love to hear your suggestions at a later time when you're not annoying me. Marin never stopped walking. Marin continued walking. Akraya kind of clenches her jaw, and I think Marin might not see it, but <laughs> Akraya like turns to Sorel with her hands up just and her eyes wide and just like, what? the universal sign of what yeah like what the fuck yeah and i think sorel disagree sorel kind of just like brushes her off and i think sorel then is like Marin, i think you're doing a great job and i think that we're learning a lot from you and i really appreciate what you're doing for us Marin. Marin again never turning around like gives a thumbs up and goes that means so much thanks deadpan whole Thanks so much. And uh, after a little while, the three of you emerge from the pine forest to Burren's farm. And you can see that across the fence that he's erected, uh, Burren is tending to one of his uh, ox cows, ox bison, while his daughters are kind of playing in the fields. And he turns and he sees you. And he waves, um, and I think as you approach, he asks how it went. You no longer have a speckled bee problem. And in fact, if you are able to collect some empty jars, we can go get some honey you might be able to use. He goes, oh, uh, 
thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, and he turns to his daughters and goes, girls, go ask your mother for some empty jars. I'm going to go with Marin to collect some of the honey. And they run inside and they, they come back out with um, a couple mason jars. If we want to, I don't think we need to inventory this out too bad. I don't think we do either, but I need to be clear that I want at least three. Okay. That is the only number that is important. There needs to be one for each dragon. It's not a dragon. One for each kobold and me. Okay. This is important because this is a game of inventory. <laughs> All right, yeah. We each get one. They uh, they come out with like um, three big wine jugs, like uh, what we would get sangria in. Mm. And So in cartoon, for those of you who don't know what we get our sangria in, in cartoons, it's the jug that has the XXX on it. Yeah, it's like a big moonshine jug. Yeah. So they come out with, with three big wine jugs and uh, like a handful of mason jars that their father puts in a pack. And I think he picks up a um, a hoe as like a walking stick slash weapon. He doesn't have like weapons, but yeah. he picks up a hoe. Perfect. And uh, he goes, all right, show us the way. And I lead back to the cave logistically because i know this is this is the part that all of our listeners love the small minutia details that don't matter um like realistically i would assume once i show him this cave it was a giant ass bee like he's not gonna collect all the honey he's basically found an untapped source of honey that he'll be able to collect for a while i'm just collecting some portions of it okay right because it's a big ass bee yeah, I like, mean... Like, those jars, I feel like, won't collect all the honey. Yeah, probably, yeah. I know so much about bees and honey that I clearly know how much honey would be in this weird cave where the honey was. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying is that I did this guy two solids. I killed his bee for him and gave him honey. I'm the good guy. Yeah, I'm kind of... So, I kind of want to ask a little bit about that. So, he offered you all of the honey... As payment for this job. I can't take all of it. I'm assuming it's massive. Like, I'm assuming okay. it would be all of Osmer. Like, it would be all of Osmer's carrying oh, capacity. No, there's not that much honey. No? No. But we all know how terrible I am with scale, and now you're asking me to estimate volume. Okay, well, I want my <laughs> I want my fair share then. Whatever that is. Like, okay. we can write down fair share of honey. I don't really care what it is. But mm. I want my fair share of honey. Spoiler alert. I'm probably going to be leaving it at a lot of altars. Um... <laughs> So I'm going to need a lot of tiny jars at some point. But I'll worry about that at a different time. But I assume I can't take it all. Also, you know, he was a nice man who let us stay in his house. Like, you can have some honey, dude. Mm-hmm. So who is... Last time, you kind of crawled into this this very uh, small tunnel. Yes. To in, to see if you could find honey. Right. And you could, but it was very dark. Yeah. So what is what is your process for, for getting this honey out? The wyverns? No, the kobolds. Diana, you'll get the fucking names right one day. The kobolds. This is the first time I've ever heard you get them wrong. Oh, no, I get them wrong in my head all the time. Really? Yeah, I usually, I usually flip over to their character sheets to make sure, because it has kobold next to their names. Like, I wrote down that they're kobolds. Where did I write it down? I wrote over here. I wrote down there that they're kobolds so that I don't forget that they're kobolds. I am constantly picturing them as dragons. And I know they're not dragons, so then I go down the list. It's terrible. It's like calling my children by the wrong names. Is there... I make the... I make the... I was about to do it again. I make the kobolds go in there so that they can eat the honey. I don't care. I'm just not going in there. 
Mm-hmm. Give me honey. Uh, it's like a assembly line. Uh, Akraya, I think, refuses to go in. But Sorel is very excited to go in. That feels right. So Sorel is very willing to go in there. Because back in the hive, Sorel was a dig daughter, which means her job was to dig tunnels. So she's very used to the dark. She's very used to, like, tunneling. And she kind of, uh, she takes off her gear, her backpack and stuff, and takes one of the, one of the big wine jugs and disappears into the tunnel. And as she's in there, uh, Burin is kind of inspecting this huge bee that uh, I believe you decapitated. Did you decapitate that bee? Sure. <laughs> I no longer remember. I'm pretty sure you decapitated the bee. And Burn's kind of inspecting it. Yeah, he, he's looking over this bee and uh, he turns to you and says, um, do you want this bee? Otherwise, I, we could take it back to the farm as well. I, if there are, this is Diana asking the DM, if there are like medicinal parts of the bee... I want the bee. Otherwise, I don't think I'm interested. Why don't either you... So you can have either you or Akraya can make an would, intelligence intelligence check. It would make more sense for it to be Akraya. Actually, wait. Akraya didn't know what this animal... See, now I'm trying to think of things that happened like months in a recording time ago. Yeah. Okay. Is a, well, we've encountered it now. Yeah. She's a wizard. She's a wizard. You know it. I rolled a total of six out of a possible 16. A total of six, I'm going to say. So Akraya goes over and starts uh, inspecting the body with Burin, and she starts kind of talking with him about it. And as they're doing that, Sorrel comes out of the tunnel with the first uh, jug of um, honey. And it's this very vibrant red gold honey and it's it's like pouring out the top and she she hands it to you and like trades for an empty jug and then disappears back in there and as akraya and burn are talking akraya turns to you and she goes you're looking for something medicinal yeah i feel like she would want something medicinal yeah yeah uh akraya says um i think that with the uh the venom glands in the stinger, we could make an anti-venom that might be useful as we continue on. Perfect. Take it. But I don't help her. You refuse. <laughs> yeah, she's being a butt. She's being a butthead, so I'm not going to help her. The farmer can help her. I think she actually comes up to you and she's like, could you, could you help? We don't have any blades. Could you please help remove i want to paint this scene okay uh-huh. can we paint this i'm gonna paint this picture i'm up at the mouth of the cave i haven't gone in but i'm there with the jugs she's in the river or whatever with the bee mm-hmm. there's quite a separation between us mm-hmm. but we're talking and she's like i think with these venom sacks we could take it i'm up at the mouth of the cave i don't move and i'm just staring at her and she's just staring at me meanwhile this farmer is very awkwardly standing there and i'm like okay continuing to stare at her until she this is very important to marin okraya makes the first move and starts walking towards me comes up to me and asks me for help that's the only way i'll help her so that's the way this has to happen okay yeah she walks up and she goes marin 
could you please help extricate the venom glands from the bee? I'm getting so nitpicky. If this was at school and a small child was annoying me, like a crayon was annoying me, and came up to me and talked to me like that, I would I would say, try again. That's not how you talk to adults. But that's not what Marin does. Marin stares at her, slowly starts taking out her knife, and then walks down. I want that to be slightly intimidating. I want a crayon to be like, what the fuck is she going to do? And then starts walking down to help. Okay. Because Marin's not a monster. Marin also doesn't like to talk. So Marin won't be like, excuse me, that's not how we talk to adults. That's what Diana would do. But that's not what... Marin would do. Also, Akreya is an adult. Is she not? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how we talk to adults. That's so condescending. <sighs> okay. So, uh... So I'm at the bee, helping yep. extract the venom. Cells. And I think Burin, uh, is, like, uh, trying, like, holding its, its carapace steady. And he goes, uh, it should be, the venom sac should be in the abdomen. And if you just want to cut from the uh, around the stinger, you should be able to lead up to the venom sacs. This is so gross. How many venom sacs have I now added to my inventory? Well, hold on a second. No! <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be a conflict. Someone's going to get stung. So as Burn is holding it down and you approach the, the stinger to, to cut it open, as soon as your knife, like cuts into the carapace the stinger shoots out uh like as a reflex and it hits you in the like right below the ribs of course it does Mm -hmm. and you feel this warmth spreading from the site of the sting and that warmth spreads all the way up and it reaches to the top of your head and you can hear and it's almost like they're underwater. Burin going, Marin, Marin, are you okay? Marin. And your vision goes blurry and suddenly you're knocked out. Hello and welcome back to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I am your husband and GM, Zach. And I am your wife and player, Diana. And this is episode 11 of Blood Gold. How are you, my darling? I am fine. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) This is usually the spot where I talk about something. Yeah. Kind of innate. Yeah, I know. You threw me off. (laughs) Um, No, I'm good. I'm good. I I, um, have a tradition as most people do, of when holiday lights go up and when we decorate the Christmas tree and you and I had agreed on a date and then I was like, nope, I'm going to do it a week early. And so I did that and I'm great. Let's let's reframe that. I begged you to wait until December to put up your Christmas decorations. And you had agreed. I did. You said, yeah. Like, I, yes, I will wait until December for you, Zach, my husband who I love. And whose needs I respect. And I said, thank you. I love you. And you said, I love you too. And then Thanksgiving ended. And you said on Thanksgiving Day, I'm going to put the Christmas tree up. (laughs) I just got so excited about it. (laughs) And I said, that's fine. Because I love you. (laughs) I just got so 
excited about the Christmas tree. I get very excited about the Christmas tree. I am the only one who puts it up. I'm the only one who puts the decorations on it because I'm the only one who feels this passionately about my Christmas tree. I love my Christmas tree. I love having that fun little decoration in the corner. And if I, if we didn't have such a very obviously winter Christmas tree, it's got like fake snow on it. You, it would take no no amount of effort to convince me to keep it up all the time. <laughs> I, it would take no amount of effort. We just have a very obviously winter Christmas tree. But I love it. It brings me such joy. This is just the last year that I can, that I don't have to get excited about Christmas. This is the last year that I, that I won't have to pretend to like Christmas. Because next year the goblin will be sentient enough to understand like to be like why does dad hate christmas Correct. why is dad a curmudgeon and also it'll probably be easier for me to get in the christmas spirit when we have a little goblin who's wide-eyed wonderment at all the beautiful lights we can go on like light tours there's all these well now they're like drive-by light shows and stuff but. here here so here's the truth, and I don't think I've articulated it to you this way, but I've definitely thought about it in my head. The reason that we went so hard for Diwali this year, and the reason we're going to go hard for Diwali next year and every year moving forward, is because I am going to try to make our daughter... You're trying to win the religion battle? Yes. <laughs> Not the, no, let, let me clarify. Not the religion battle, the holiday battle. All right. I don't care what her religion ends up being, what her spirituality, how she defines herself and her relationship with God is fine. That's up to her. But I want her to like my holidays better <laughs> is very important to me. Here's the thing. I don't think it will be hard to do that. <laughs> I am Catholic. No, I, none of our holidays are fun. They're not fun. They're all about hardship. We've just piled a lot of food on them. And then we trick little kids with candy and gifts to be like, please keep celebrating this holiday. Please keep calling yourself a Catholic. We desperately need you. That's how this works. Like Easter sounds great. Oh, yeah. Are you Lutheran and Presbyterian and Protestant and all of you non-Catholics? I'm like, Easter, great. I'm going to have ham or whatever people eat on Easter. But I'm Catholic, so I spent 40 days giving something up, being told I'm terrible because I'm having a hard time giving that thing up when Jesus starved for 40 days and 40 nights. We are all about guilt and restriction, except for the day at the end. We're like, haha, tricked you. Here's some food. Here's some candy. Here's some gifts. Now we're your favorite. It's not going to be hard to convince her that Diwali is better than Christmas. It's better than Christmas. It's better than Christmas. <laughs> oh, I'm kicking the mics. I'm sorry, Zach. Please forgive me, God. You'll win, but never forget. Never forget. Mm -hmm. Never forget. Catholicism has survived because guilt because is stronger than happiness. <laughs> it's stronger. I thought it was the vast amount of money. I mean, and the it conquering. It was that at first. Listen, we could talk about the horrors <laughs> of like. The religion yeah, and my culture. We can talk about all of the horrors if you so choose. But let's just talk about the trauma uh, that is inflicted on me I'm worried. personally. <laughs> now I'm worried that I'm that I'm alienating our listenership. I'm sorry, friends. We are in 
I don't know. We're I think we're a pretty liberal interface interfaith household and we liberally love all religions equally. I just hate Christmas. Yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird how you hate this it's the it's the whole winter fall winter holiday shtick. You are not a fan starting from Thanksgiving until New Year's post. Yep. You're just miserable, mm-hmm. and I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's just not a good time of year. The but reason it's we food. have, but the reason we have all these, it's because the season's bad. Really, is what it is. Winter. We have all of these holidays because we were all like. Unpopular opinion: Winter is better than summer. Unpopular opinion. You're a psychopath. I work in education too, so you would think that I would like summer more than I like winter. Winter is better than summer. I hate being hot. The whole the reason we have these holidays is because everybody was like, well, I might die from disease or starvation or the cold, so we might as well just go hog wild. And the problem is that you don't go hog wild enough. You just need to be super drunk, starting riots. And lighting fires like our ancestors. <laughs> like our ancestors. Bonfire every night at random people's houses. Just show up in their backyard and light shit on fire. Now that sounds like a good time. <laughs> what, 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 Dan, what else is new other than, other than it being uh, Christmas time is here? Our goblin is teething, but I don't feel like that's a conversation for the middle of this podcast. Yeah, that feels more like a campfire pod yeah. thing. Uh, if you yeah. want to hear about our goblin growing bone, then... Don't say growing bone Is that not what... Again. Is tooth not bone? I mean, tooth is bone, but... So, when you, goblin is growing bone. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say... Mwah! <laughs> How gross are babies? So gross. <laughs> Everything about them is disgusting. Speaking of disgusting, mm-hmm. let's talk about this bee honey. What's wrong with bee honey? Nothing. All honey was, is bee it honey. Was, it was a transition. Oh, you want to go back to the episode? The is that yeah. what you're saying? It you're saying a, we should go back to the episode? It was, yeah. You're saying we should stop just talking and go back to the episode? I mean, I would love this. This would be fun for me, but I don't necessarily think it's fun for everybody else. How do we go How do we go back to the episode again? I usually go, and now let's talk about the bee thing, and then we go back into the bee thing, but okay. now it's a whole thing. No, no, Zach. <laughs> get us out of here, Zach. <laughs> Zach B, please take us to the episode. Everything has gone black for Marin. And you're vaguely aware that you have hit the ground. But when you come to, you suddenly are in a dark field. Or a dark plain, I should say. And there is silk everywhere, uh, piles of silken tapestries and blankets and scrolls, just these beautiful silk goods piled up everywhere. And it is dark with this like very calm red light which I feel like sounds like an oxymoron. Like, usually we associate, like, red light with fear and, like, bad things. Like a sunset? But like a sunset, yep. It's like this calm red light on the horizon that's just kind of... It's not, like, flickering like fire. It's just, like, this steady, nice orange, pinkish, reddish light that kind of um, illuminates the this plane of silk. 
in a warm way, like in a in a hearthen way. I walk towards the light. And you start walking over these uh, these silks when you disturb one and a mass of spiders kind of like pour out of the silk and like skitter away from you. I reach for my axe. Uh, all right, yeah. I don't know if it's there or not, but that I immediately reach for my hand axe. Yep, yeah, and you raise your axe. They, they, they all like dissipate. They're like normal sized spiders. That's horrific. <laughs> and you, you pick up your axe, um, and you're what just holding it out? Are you like going to try to smash these spiders with it, or like? No, I, it was an instinctual move. So I think I, I think I'm at the ready. Like I look like I'm going to fight somebody, but I'm not swinging yet because nothing's coming at me. Mm-hmm. I think you hear this voice that goes on. Marin Ghost, what a pleasure to have you here. If she wasn't at the ready before, she's super at the ready now. I think she spins in a circle looking for the voice, the Mm. source of the voice. Mm -hmm. And you don't see anyone. There is no one around. And this voice kind of seems like it's like coming up from the silks. Now, now, I don't want to be struck by your mighty blade, Marin. I'm a fan. And um, I think as you look down at like where the source of this voice is, you see that there's this silk that you're standing over, this silk-like tapestry that has writing on it. And you notice that your name in the writing. And it's going along. And at the top of the tapestry, you see like your encounter with the bee. And it's written in like all this very like purple poetic prose that you like encountered this this chitinous monster and that you slew it with your mighty blade, decapitating it in one fell blade swing. And then it says that as you extricated the venom from the beast, you were stung. And the writing continues down the tapestry, but you can't read it. It like doesn't make any sense to you anymore. Uh, The letters feel scrambled. They feel like blurry. And um, the voice goes, you are lucky that in some ways the realm of toxins fall within my domain. Not quite, but I have some sway, some relationships with the Pega who would poison your body. I just wanted you to know, Marin, that I am watching you, and I will have an eye on you. I think this is the only time... I don't think Marin would even try to speak outside of this, but I think she asks, like, scared. This is the first time you hear her, like, scared. And, and I think she goes, is, is that a threat? No. No, oh my. No, Marin. Not a threat. A reassurance. A promise. That if you need me, I will be there for you. You have stood on your own for quite a while. And now you have people who are depending on you once again. You are going to get yourself hurt if you don't acknowledge that your stories are not always your own. That is not a threat. That is advice. And then I think you come to. And Akreya is standing over you. I don't think Akreya has any spells for healing, but I think she is... No, I think she does, doesn't she? Does she have a healing spell? 
Um, she's got vacation vitality. Oh yeah, that's true. Still, I think she is. She's she's tending to your wound. But we have. She has healing herbs. Yeah. And she's got this. Uh, she's got this balm on your wound, and uh, there's just a little bit of blood, and she's got bandages over it. And uh, Sorel is also kind of like it. Sor- I think when you come to Sorel is in your face, like her snout is right in your face, and you could uh, just smell Sorel's bad kobold breath as you wake up. That's the first thing that you sense is Sorel's breath. I want to come up with something more clever than this, but I just feel like the natural human inclination is what, what? I think that's the first, what? That's the first thing she says. Uh, And Sorrel goes, oh, hey, she's awake. Akraya, she's awake. And Akraya goes, oh, thank goodness. Um, That's kind of when you get the sense for what Akraya is like tending to you. And uh, Sorrel goes, Marin, you got stung. I think uh, Marin is slowly making herself in like putting herself into a, a sitting position mm-hmm. i think she goes really <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think akraya says uh i didn't expect the poison to be that effective and burn i think goes yeah and that's you know exactly why i was so nervous about this thing uh, I'm really sorry, Marin. I thought I had a better grip on it. I didn't expect it to be able to get you like that. I look at him and I, just, and I just go, yeah, it's, a, it's okay. And I look at Okraya, who is the one that healed me. Right, like I can infer that. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at her and I sincerely say, thank you. I don't say any other words. But you can tell that it's sincere. Mm-hmm. Marin's not a huge dick, but is dickish. This is not a moment of dickishness. Okay. And she nods, uh, and she goes, "Luckily, the it the stinger didn't get too deep. It was really just a graze, so uh, it it was easy to treat." I think Sorel like holds up the stinger, and she goes, "We got it out." <laughs> I, Marin laughs. <laughs> that that chuckle is genuine. It's very involuntary, and she chuckles. She goes, "Great job, Sorrel." And uh, I think you know you're you're sore. You're still a little dizzy, but it feels like like I'm I'm already starting to make my way up. Like I'm going to be winded, and I'm assuming I'm going to be winded and sore. But like, there's work to be done. So yeah, Marin gets up. You feel. At this point, like, no worse than if a, well. Than if I got stung by a bee. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a bi- if a big bee stung you. But that's not very useful. Um, there's some, like, localized swelling and some, like, faintness. But you can already feel that it's, like, starting to dissipate, that it's working its way through your system. You don't feel like you're going to faint again. There's just, like, this this stinging that, compared to what you have felt before is nothing Mm -hmm. and there is barely even like it really it didn't the singer didn't go deep into your body kind of just pierced you a little bit marin burin sorel and akraya finish up filling up these mason jars and wine jugs and sorel comes out of the tunnel with the last mason jar and she goes uh there's still probably about uh two or three more wine jugs worth of honey down there. I look at Burren and I go, I hope they last you through the winter. 
And uh, Brian goes, thank you, Marin. I really can't tell you how much I appreciate your help and how much you've put yourself at risk for us. So absolutely, you know, if you would need to stay another night, please feel free to, to, to spend another night at our, at our place and um, whatever, whatever you need, we'd be happy to help you with. I think I look at Akraya and I go, I think it's best that we start moving on. Are you sure, Marin? You got hurt pretty badly. We can wait another night before we keep moving. I mean, like, Marin wants to sleep in a bed, but she also doesn't want the spider god to be mad at her because she's mean to Akraya. So what does Marin do? No, Marin goes, no, we can, we can move on. I think she's just like, I've had worse, huh? I think that the four of you carry, you know, everything that you've collected back to Burren's farm. And he gives you the three big wine jugs of honey. And do you want any of the mason jars as well? I, I think he offers you some of the mason jars too, if you want them. Um, You'll have to, I don't know if you have space for them, to be honest. No, I don't, is the thing. I have, I should have space for the three mason jars because each of us can take a mason jar, but I don't have space outside of that. Not mason jars, the wine jugs. Wine jugs. So uh, he gives you the three wine jugs, and then the three of you are ready to head out. It is, so it's probably about 6 or 7 p.m. Are you certain that? Oh, no, if it's that late, then no, we stay the the next night. That's, like, stupid. Why would you start a journey that night that late? I I don't know why I assumed it was more, like, afternoon-ish. Well, Actually, so let's see. You had a you set out at like ten. I mean, collecting, yeah, like nearly dying and collecting the honey could have taken a long. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, it's about six. It's about six p.m. by the time you get back to Burns. Yeah. All right. So then, retract all of the, everything I said because okay. I would have known what time it was. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and no, that's fine. And the plan we make the plan to leave first at first light. Okay. We're leaving at first light. All right. And yeah, I think you and. Sorel and Akraya head down for the night, and uh, you get to sleep in a bed again in Burren's farm. And is there anything that you want to do or say as you, before you let slumber take you? This is a world-building question. Mm-hmm. So there are shrines out in the world, but do people have shrines in their homes? That's a good question. Probably, yeah. I think I stop by the shrine in their home. I don't... So, you know, Marin has that role where she leaves things at the shrines. Mm -hmm. That doesn't count for in-home shrines um, because there are people tending to those shrines. They live in the home. But I think she stops at the shrine in the home and, like, legit says a prayer. And it's very awkward. Because she doesn't pray when she goes to the shrines. She just leaves a little gift, inclines her head, and, and moves on. But I think she goes to the shrine... And she puts like a little, like a little bit of the honey there, even though like they have the honey, it's what she's got. So she puts a little bit of the honey there and she inclines her head and she goes, I don't know if what I saw was real or not, but I'm going to try. So, and it was like, it's like very awkward and broken and she doesn't know who she's saying that to or why she's even saying it, but she feels like she needs to say it. Okay. And, uh, all right, yeah, I think you, you leave this at this little shrine. I think it's to, like, a little, like, it's like a field pega 
it's like a pega of yeah of the field and you leave this little offering and you say this little prayer to whatever pega like you can reach right and the three uh the three of you head to bed with the knowledge that in the morning you will we'll probably continue on your way we'll probably dip out before the family even wakes up Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Ryutama was designed by Atsuhiro Okada and translated into English by Matt Sanchez and Andy Kitkowski. You can find more at kotohi.com. We want to thank Zach B., our editor and producer, without whom this show would not get made. And also, without him, we would still be talking about goblins and teeth and bone. So if we're not still talking about goblins, teeth, and bone, thank you, Zach B., we also want to thank In Love with the Ghost for the the use of their song Chilling at Nemu's Place off of the album Healing. You can find In Love with the Ghost at inlovewiththeghost.bandcamp.com. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, your carrier pigeon, whatever. That's a callback. Um, it means a lot to us and it helps other people to find us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HeartPointsPod. Please follow us and join us for discussion about RPGs and podcasts, and make sure to share us with everyone you know, especially your RPG-loving friends. Thank you so much to our patrons whose support keeps this show going. If you would like to become a patron of this show, find us at patreon.com forward slash heartpointspod. You can directly support the show and help us to maintain and better it every week while getting cool rewards like access to our patron-only Discord, a monthly campfire pod, and lots of other things. Every dollar makes a huge difference. This episode was sponsored by Ben of the Pot of Love podcast and Jesse Jones. The renowned Pega Jesse Jones is known as the kind Magus of the Lizards, whose once magnificent stone shrine is now in disrepair. One wall collapsed upon itself. Thank you so much for your support, Ben and Jesse. Thank you all again for joining us in our adventure today. We hope that as you return back to the real world that you continue to have a very nice day. But like a very, very nice one. <laughs> <laughs>